welcome back to another episode of Louisiana Ladies. My name is Melissa Torito. And I am Maggie Robinson. And this is a podcast with, with no, no agenda. agenda. We would love if you guys would subscribe to the podcast and that way you never miss a new episode. Additionally, when you subscribe, if you could rate and review, we would really appreciate that as well. We are also on social media, both Instagram and Facebook, so please give us a follow at Louisiana Ladies Podcast. And Maggie? You can reach us at our email address, louisianaladiespodcast at gmail.com. All right, guys, back with another episode of Louisiana Ladies, and we hope that everyone had a great Memorial Day. This, this, uh, we're recording this episode the day after Memorial Day. Side note, everyone at Falk and Winkler got a four-day weekend because, you know, as one of the best places to work, we give our employees an extra holiday for Memorial Day, and I think maybe Labor Day, lady. Yes. Um, so, but this one's coming out the week after, so everybody's probably getting back in the groove. Uh, we got Maggie here. Hello, everyone. And we have, this is how I'm going to introduce our guest. And it's a Louisiana lad. I feel like it's been a while since we've had a Louisiana lad. But this person is literally one of the best people in in my life. (laughs) No pressure. And I am super honored and humbled to be able to call him a friend and know that he is, he's, he's there for everything. It's Doug Allen. Say, hey, Doug. Hey, Doug. <laughs> That's exactly what Patrick did when we yeah. had him on. He goes, hey, Patrick. You all liked him. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for being here with us, Doug. Thank you. It's an honor. Yeah. So Long, Doug- long-time listener. First-time caller. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So Doug and I know each other from work. He uh, represents a company that we use for retirement plans, and we've probably known each other, has it been 10 years? Yes. 10 years now, uh, he, him and I met when I was just still a little Padawan, not knowing, not knowing what I was doing. Remember that, Doug? I still don't know what I'm doing, Melissa. <laughs> well, neither do I, but we're just in better positions. Right. Yes. That's <laughs> step one. Yeah. Um, and so throughout the, throughout the 10 years that Doug and I have known each other, we have worked together on a professional standpoint, but also gotten to know each other from a personal standpoint. I know his family, his kids, I've met his mom and dad. Um, we've been on trips together. We just, um, with our spouses, of course, but anyway, so Doug, let's talk about where are you from? Absolutely. That's a great question. It's an honor to be here, y'all. And I've always, you know, enjoyed following y'all, you know, personal and obviously good people professionally. And so I think like attracts like, and so hopefully I can live up to that introduction. I was born in Baton Rouge, the old woman's hospital just down the road. Um, and my dad was Episcopal priest. He was at, started St. Margaret's Episcopal Church and his parents and family had been at Trinity Episcopal. So been in the Baton Rouge area. He then, um, got a job. His best friend was Bishop of Kentucky. And so we moved up there and I have an older brother and a younger brother. And we lived in Kentucky for a long time. Uh, I went to boarding school for high school. I don't know why. I just thought it was be an interesting idea. My mom hated the idea, but in Sewanee, Tennessee, oh. which was a four hour drive from Louisville, Kentucky. And so spent about half my life in, in Kentucky. Uh, and since I've been back in Louisiana, a good amount here. And so I'd like to say a dual citizenship between those two, but high school in Tennessee, 
uh, coming out of college, coming out of high school, um, was going to play college athletics, tore my rotator cuff, went to school in Ohio for a year, then in Louisville for a few years, had some class credits at LSU, was going to go to law school, um, have a lot of attorney relatives, and they thought it would be a good idea to go to a different undergrad than where you were planning on going to law school. And so um, stayed in Louisville and did that. And then realized after I had taken the LSAT three times and all my letters of recommendation ready to send that, why would I want to be an attorney? That sounds miserable. So uh, no offense to the attorneys. No attorneys for all, I mean, no offense to all the attorneys. They do tremendous work and are great people. Uh, It just wasn't a fit for me. And I think I recognize that. I'm glad I recognize that. So you recognize that though before, so you took the LSAT, which is the test you have to take to get into law school. Yes. But you never went to law school. Correct. Okay. I had, you know, when they have a list of, here are the requirements, you need three letters of recommendation, one from this person, you need these test scores, you need this writing sample. Uh, I had all that in an envelope and uh, four different copies of that for four different law schools. You just never never sent them. Wow. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I guess it's better you found that out instead of going through law school and then being like, okay, that's great. I don't actually want to be an attorney. Absolutely. And I'm fortunate because during that time, and one of the big influences for not making that jump is that I had a legal internship in Louisville. Happened to be with a company that only had about 40 people when it started, ended up being about 150 people. But one of the attorneys there that I was mentoring with for two years, he basically sat me down at the end of the uh, term and was like, you know what, I think you'd be a better fit over on the other side of the building, which is more of the marketing and, you know, relationship sales side. So he was a big influence and just small world. He is now my boss's boss's boss um, at work. What? Yes. Really? No, I don't think I ever told y'all that. But yeah, this is recent. This is within the the last uh, six six months or so. So, There's actually a lot I don't know about you. So anyway, that's it's probably a long answer to where am I from, but no, I love it. Okay, so what what was what's your undergrad in? Economics. Econ- oh God, okay, that sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. I hated econ. Yeah. Maggie, did you like econ? Uh, you didn't. You didn't grimace like I did. No, I didn't hate econ. I mean, econ, you need to know that kind of stuff. I mean, right now we are living. It. I mean, yes, <laughs> the economy is doing some great shit. It's like. What's the next step um, when we go up the curve and the price drops and the reserve? Oh, know, Lord. See, this is so you're bringing back really, See, really I vivid memories. You so did? Yes. This is bringing back It really, all just made sense. Really vivid memories of all those graphs. Okay, so first of all, I. a math teacher. How I know. That, I think it, I'm going to blame it on the teacher. I'm going <laughs> to okay, blame right. it on the professor that I had. And yes. when I took econ, I was, remember, I. I changed my major five times the first time that I was at LSU. So when I took econ, I took 2030, which is the macro and micro yeah. economics class combined for oh. engineering majors. Oh. oh, that was probably terrible. So, oh, see, see, now we're getting a better response. Okay. So it was terrible. I mean, it was, it was terrible. Not as bad as organic chemistry. Teachers no. really affect how you think oh, of the absolutely. subject though. Yeah. Like, they will impact that a lot. Yeah, I mean, I am going to say that I'm pretty sure, like, some of my students are accountants because of me. I didn't teach accounting at St. Joseph's, but it's all math. Absolutely. Yeah, it's really, they do have an impact. She wasn't bad. I just remember she had such an accent. That's all I could think about was her accent the entire time. Like, she was putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable kind of thing. That's distracting. It was very, I'm going to blame it on her. I got to see. Okay. Whoop. Made it out of that class. All right. So, from there... (laughs) 
So you moved back to Baton Rouge. So, yes. Not, wait, when did that happen? So, did I miss that in the story? So, no. So uh, an important part of that, talking about the importance of teachers, is after my freshman year, the guidance counselor said, well, all right, it's time to pick a major. It's time to pick a pathway. Oh. And so I said, all right, well, what are the options out there? And, and kind of went through it all, but it was like art, English, history, or economics. And she's like, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I don't know. Anything. She said, well, what's some of your family do? I said, well, you know, outside of mom's teacher, dad's an Episcopal priest, a lot of everybody else are attorneys. She's like, here's what you're going to do. We're going to put you down for pre-law. Um, you're going to be an economics major. Come back in a year if you don't like it. I'm like, I don't want to see her again. So I just stick with economics. <laughs> you sound like somebody else. I feel like we had somebody else on that. I was like, I just decided to, to, I was too far into the game at that particular point. They just stuck it out. And I'm like, okay, clearly that was not me because I couldn't couldn't stick it out. That was your last person on international relations or something like that. She said, oh, Rachel. 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 Sorry, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> Rachel, who works here. I mean, I kind of did something similar. He's such a good listener. He knows. He's like, <laughs> oh, Doug is the best listener. <laughs> I, I feel sorry that Doug has to listen to me sometimes. Um, so, okay. Entertaining. So, I went away to high school um, for four years, went to different schools. After graduation, I went to Atlanta um, to take a job working for a financial company there. And then, uh, well, actually, before that, I decided 9-11 happened. I decided I wanted to do something service-related. Um, so it's like join the military, do this. And at that time, um, I, found, I found more of a need in the kind of nonprofit community. And one of my best friends was doing a program called AmeriCorps. So AmeriCorps is where you go for 10 months and you relocate. We were based out of uh, San Diego and did three proje- I mean, four projects, three months each at San Francisco Food Bank, um, Oregon, working with uh, America Reads, Special Olympic World Winter Games in Anchorage, and um, San Francisco Food Bank. So we did that just to kind of figure out what was next. And two of my roommates came back with me and we worked for a mutual fund company in Atlanta. And then I was uh, got recruited and joined and came back here. So 2003 is when I came back to Baton Rouge. You got recruited? Yes, for a different financial firm. And then um, stayed with them until 2009, 10, when everything happened fun in the market. Mm-hmm. And I've been in my current position for 11 or 12 years. Okay. So in this time period, though, you met your wife. Yes. Yes. Yes, Carolyn. Okay. Right, I, I mean, we, she, <laughs> needs, she needs some shout out. Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yes, I was working here. She's from Houston. Okay. Um, went to Texas A&M and was working for an engineering firm. So, she's a PE. Um, does great work. And when we started dating, one of our mutual friends, Amanda Grace, um, was friends with her and friends with me. And she said, hey, you know, why don't you come over to meet us at DiGiulio's for for uh, dinner. Now, keep in mind, she was over here for three months at a time living at the Hilton. So she was starved for like any kind of entertainment. And so thankfully she came and met us out for DiGiulio's. And uh, we said, I said, hey, you want to go like run the lakes or something? She's like, yeah. We ran like 50 yards. She's like, I'm not a runner. I was like, okay, fine. You want to go to Zippy's and get a margarita? She's like, yeah. And so there we go. Let me ask this girl to go run. Did y'all talk about running? Or that's just what, that's like, 
That's like a safe space for you for a first date? Well, it just kind of evolved to that part of the conversation. Actually, I don't run. Let's go get Marks instead. Like, that's well, it's, what it's, I, I still wonder why she stayed with it until that point. Like, dressed up. Maybe like she just, you know, mentally, maybe she was like, I can do this. And then she started doing it. It's flat. It's good scenery. She almost stepped on a snake because it got dark. When coming back, so there's a lot. There's a lot packed into that moment, but yeah, it all worked out. <laughs> well, we did learn about communication. Apparently, men prefer to communicate side to side. So really? maybe you thought, oh, running, you know, not too much yeah. pressure. We're side by side. I don't know what I thought, Maggie. I think this is the honest. <laughs> I think there. it just came out of his mouth. I, I think, think he was like, "This is a great idea," and she's yeah. gonna go run. And Caroline, I, I yeah. mean, I, I know Caroline. I wouldn't yeah. say. I mean. We've seen each other. Yeah. I can see her being like, yeah, that's, I could totally yeah. see her being that. First of all, she's a little type A. Mm-hmm. A lot type A. She's an engineer. Mm-hmm. And I just could see her, like, not being stubborn, but, like, I would do that. I'd be like, yes, of course I will go run with you. And then, you know, then you realize that you can't. No matter what anybody says, for any of those that are that are runners or non-runners, you can visualize yourself running as much as you want. Sure. And then you actually go out and do it. And it's you got to train to do it. So are you still a runner? Do you still run? At times. I ran yesterday. Okay. I don't hot run. Doug. It's hot yeah, outside. That's when I love running, really. I don't know why. It's just kind of cleansing and therapeutic, and it kind of burns everything out of your system. You don't have time to worry. You don't have time to think about anything, and that's a good spot to be in. So it comes with a little pain. It's worth it. Okay. Yeah, I haven't run in a long time. <laughs> but it, it's, it's one of those things that you're competing against yourself, too. And so there's always room to get better. You know, it's one of those straightforward practices that you just kind of wake up and do and generally you feel better after okay so Caroline still doesn't run she does not run no she plays tennis so yeah I was gonna say so after the run slash (laughs) non-run date that ended with Mars then you guys started dating correct and how long after that until y'all got married oh probably three two and a half three years something like that so how long have y'all been married uh 10 years a little over 10 years okay so so when y'all were dating Y'all were in Baton Rouge. She was still living in Houston um, on the weekends. Okay. And so at the time, I was covering Houston. So I would go over, you know, for the week, kind of work, then go spend time with her and then come back, uh, which is an important fun fact. In between there, one day she says, I'm going to take my professional engineering's license test. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. What does that mean? She's like, I'm going to take this suitcase full of, it's a carry-on full of books we're going to go to the floor of the Astrodome and we'll be there like eight until five. And I think we get like one little break. I'm like, that doesn't sound fun at all. But she passed it. So that's kind of her too. She's like, I'm just going to figure it out and just go take this test and a suitcase full of textbooks and make it happen. So That test is hard. Yeah. I won't. Yeah. I mean, engineering is hard. I still don't really understand what engineers do. Something with numbers and graphs. And, and it's important. And, and buildings and make sure things don't fall down. You yes. know, things like that. Some okay. than others. Okay, so y'all got married and you had a little boy that's no longer little. J.D. Eight eight years ago, J.D., yes. J.D. Got married in Bernie, Texas. Oh, Hill Country, yes. Oh, okay. But then y'all, but now you you live in Covington, Mandeville, one of those two mm-hmm. places. That Doug got stuck in horrific traffic on the way over here, guys. We're we're really actually, I will say, um, the past couple of guests that we've had, Andy Bush being one of them, have been late. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Maybe we're cursed or something. Okay, so y'all y'all relocated. You had JD, JD, Maggie. Have you seen pictures of JD? 
Okay, so Does just, he look just, just like Doug. He looks just like Doug. And <laughs> and he came. This was a perfect segue to the Kentucky Derby. Okay, <laughs> before we get into the other two adorable kids that Doug has. So, um, Doug, one of the things that people. I tell people I went to Derby, and people are like, oh, my God, that's a bucket list item. I'm like, it totally is. Everyone needs to go to the Derby. It poured rain on Derby Day for us, and I would still go back and redo that day, okay, because you were in a poncho, and you are just like, whatever. It was fun. It's just such a cool experience. It's it's so neat. But one of the things that when I tell people, I'm like, yeah, I went with Doug, and he has a horse or something. <laughs> So I sound like the stupidest person ever. So that means, and by like, I went with Doug. Doug, you, you why don't we'll just get? I, well, I feel like I, people get jealous first. They're like, "Oh, you went to the Derby with Doug." Yeah, they do get jealous, and I'm like, "Yes, because Doug really likes me." So be jealous. So be jealous. And according to Doug, because I have this in writing on a Facebook comment, we're going back for the 50th anniversary of the Derby. Tommy has Tom already Tommy has already told me that. Okay. He's yeah. like, oh, yeah, we're going back. We're going back. So, okay. So how did this evolve? Like, you, I feel like this is like a hobby and a passion of yours. So let's start from whenever it happened. Like, So, I mean, growing up in Baton Rouge, uh, my older brother's godparents had a farm in Denham Springs. And so we'd go up and be around animals. And then my grandparents up in Cape Cod, my mom's family, basically had animals around. So always around animals, always loved being around horses. And it was just kind of a, a nice thing. So when I'm finishing up my time in Louisville and I had a friend who said, hey, you need to go to the Derby. I'm like, of course I need to go to the Derby. Why wouldn't I want to go to the Derby? It was 94. And so I went and we went in the infield and it was tremendous a lot of fun and no matter where i've been you know that time when i was in alaska or you know georgia or wherever it is i've always come back for the derby and it's i've realized why and the reason is is because one at the derby you have every kind of person there and there's no competition for teams against teams everybody's there with the same motive to have fun and to figure it out as you go and I've always just really enjoyed that. The second all, the second part of that is it's something that my whole family wraps their arms around. And so when people say they go with me, they don't go with me. They go with my, my brother, Michael. They go with my parents. And one of my favorite pictures of all derby experiences is that derby. My parents just standing there in ponchos, just relishing it. And um, my dad turns 80 in July. And they still go every year. They love it. So it's the combination of those Well, not only things. do they go, but they are... The host, yes. like two mornings in a row mm-hmm. at like seven thirty. Like they have this whole spread for you to go to with mimosas, breakfast, just all these people that they don't know. They just welcome them to their house with open arms, and then by the end of it, you're like, you're like my mom and dad. Like I mean, your brother Michael. I felt like we were. He's he's awesome. He's on city council now too. That does not surprise me. So he's an engineer. Um, my dad was an engineer until his junior year at LSU and decided to start, start taking Greek. And then he went to divinity school in Connecticut. So, I mean, there's an engineering theme there, but I think as it relates to Derby, they're just, they just get stuff done. And so they're really good at thinking about things and providing for a good experience. And so those two things are the reasons that I love Derby. Now, when I moved back to, to Baton Rouge, I was friends with a guy in Lafayette and he and his wife bought horses. 
and ran the Metavangelin down. So there's four main tracks. There's one in Lafayette, one in Lake Charles-ish area of Vinton, um, Bossier, and then New Orleans. Mm-hmm. And in terms of prestige, it's New Orleans Fairgrounds, and then you have kind of Shreveport. And then the other two are good, but they're more local. We were racing on the local level. And so he and his wife bought a horse and said, hey, you know, you want to go in halves on it? And it's one, it was a one-year-old horse and went in halves and she did really well. And so I was like, oh, this is easy, you know, but that's not the average experience. And so from there, uh, we got a couple of others and they ran and then they completed their career and then stopped that. At the same time, that was about 2008, 2009. So three friends of mine, um, two local guys and a guy in Atlanta were friends with a guy in Lexington, Kentucky, who bred horses, an attorney there, and he would to take 20 uh, mares and breed them and then take the offspring to a sale, sell them, and then divvy up the, the proceeds from there. Well, 2009, nobody was buying anything discretionary because the market was down. So he sent about five horses here, and he said, hey, if you do the upkeep, pay for the training, we can be in half. So we did that for about three or four years. And then after that is when Caroline and I started dating, and she said, "Wait, you're spending what a month on what?" And, uh, and she's when, an engineer. And that's when we went into the syndication business. So now a group of friends and I put up a little bit of money each year and get interest in you know three to five horses that run on a national level. And so sometimes, you know, Kentucky Derby Day uh, or other high priority races, we might have one in the Belmont, for example. Gotcha. Um, this year, so that's a little bit. Of skin in the game, but it provides for just an extra layer of interest when we're out at the track on Oaks and Derby Day. Yeah, I mean, it's I've never bet on horses before, so it's a very interesting. And nor do I think me and Patrick knew what we were doing. I think Doug had to help us. <laughs> we're like, what do we say when we go up here? I mean, it's like, I mean, you're like going up to a window and placing your bet on, and and there's there's other races that day too at the Derby. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, they're the fastest races. Like you know, it's like thirty seconds. How do you get your jockeys? Or where do those come from? Their moms? No, just no. <laughs> no they, you have, so the trainer is the who you really hire, and then the trainer will pick the jockey and work with the jockey's agent, and then figure out what the horse is good at. You know, some horses really like running on grass. Others dirt. Some of them running sprints. Some of them run long, and all the different characteristics of it. Just like you know, going to a, a middle school and be like, all right, who's going to be a world class this, or what does that cl- kid want to study in, in college? It's really hard to figure out that collaboration but they have the temperament that fits the horse and the jockey and then they have the network to make sure it happens and swap if needed but it's 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 a whole new world and caroline's the same way doesn't like betting none of my family really does much betting um i really don't do a ton of betting it's it's the experience on the backside when you go see the horses in the barns and watch them work out in the morning that's my favorite part of it too because they all have different personalities some want to bite your head off other ones want to just lick you it's kind of like pets yeah yeah. Very expensive. So, um, JD Correct. was with us for that derby, mm-hmm. and he was what? Okay, we went in, God, Lee, what year did we go? 18, 19? Something like Something that. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he was like, you know, six. He was, yeah. I, no, I, I am not his dad, but like to me, he was on the bus with us the entire time. We went, we went and did a Maker's Mark mm-hmm. tour where we were pretty sure the bus driver was taking us to the middle of nowhere. I mean, we were literally, we were on that bus a long time. Hills, like few people were like, whoa, okay. You know, Uh, but I still think for being so young, it's just, I think that's so, it's, it's neat for him to be exposed to that, you know, because 
Um, whether he remembers all the details or not, I mean, he's, I'm going to say he's well-behaved, but I'm just saying, like, he's five. I would have gotten bored at some particular point. He just seems like a really good sport. Kind of like his dad. Well, well, when I was putting him to bed as a, as a baby, we would watch a YouTube, which is a two-minute clip of My Old Kentucky Home. So he knew that by the time he was three, he knew the colors of every saddlecloth. So red is always number one. You know, white is number two. Blue is three. And so he knew all that from an early age. And I would take him out there and kind of show him clips on Secretariat and all the other horses. So he had a good working knowledge. He's still really good at betting. Uh, He went with us for the full day at Derby two years ago. And he wasn't a fan of there not being any other kids and it being really long. It is. It's a, it's all day. Yes. So we were there. Not so yeah. Be there at nine until seven. Yeah. And so, yeah, being a, a seven-year-old at the time, that's a tough, it's a lot to ask. Now, he told me he didn't want to go, but then the night before this past derby, he said, I really want to go. So I think he might be in now. But he loves, he loves being around horses. The other two kids love horses as well. But, um, yeah, dial him up. He'll help you with some betting, too. Oh, well, he's smart. He is. He's also smart. Yeah, it is a long day. Um, just FYI, um it is about when you when you go to the Derby. It's probably just about as expensive as Vegas to buy anything. Me and Patrick had two hundred dollars, and within two hours, he was like, "Oh, we don't. We need to go to the ATM." Because I'm pretty sure he bought a round of drinks for people, and that was probably one hundred and fifty bucks. So I'm just gonna like my my little my little piddly glass of champagne was like eighteen dollars. I finally just switched to the angry orchid orchid or orchard or whatever that beer is because it was like the big one. I was like, okay, I gotta get some bang for my buck. But and it rained, but it was it was it was fun. Um, okay, so, so can I just bit- say that the past two years since COVID, they've included everything in the Derby <gasps> price now, so you don't have to pay anything that for anything. Sense. Yeah, alcohol included. So yeah, you just walk up to the jewel window. It's like, can I have two of those? And they just hand you two and you walk. What about the the special julep that you go get? Yes, that is different. That, that's, <laughs> that is that's, not that's, But that's that goes to a nonprofit. Absolutely. So this year it benefits old friends. I don't know if we went to old friends. Old friends is a retired horse park. So a lot of times people ask, hey, what do you do with the horses after they retire? And the group we're a part of track keeps track of them. So as long as they're racing, then you know they're being taken care of. But after that. They don't always have good outcomes. And so we follow them and they they get put in a home, either with an individual or some retirement home. So uh, they, it's, it's nice. They have some good places out there. So Old Friends is one of the best in the business. And they have, you know, passenger winners. And it's just really caring people. Silver Charm, if that horse name rings a bell. Mm-hmm. It's a... It's a great facility. And so this year it benefited that. And so the, the Julep is... Uh, a partnership with Woodford Reserve, and they have their whole team come out there, and you you, you buy it. It's fancy looking, but the proceeds go to a local charity. And so it's old friends, it's um, scholarships for uh, underprivileged kids, it's the reading lessons for the the backside people. It, it fits within the horse world, mm-hmm. um, and it's just it's, it, it provides a lot of big impact for our purposes. It's pretty cool, and it provides a more well-rounded experience for people that go on the trip too. Yeah, it's really cool because they they make like a production out of making mm-hmm. this. And then we all took pictures with it mm-hmm. because it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, is it in an actual gold cup, like 14 karat gold cup? Uh, it's gold-plated. Gold-plated. Okay, gold-plated. Well, you know, it's still pretty. It's, it's, it's really neat. So, okay, so that's the Derby and Doug will go every year and 
you know, brings a different group. I feel like it's just... Okay, listeners, you cannot just ask Doug willy-nilly to go to the Derby, all right? You only, you only, you probably have room for eight couples, maybe? Yes, we have three boxes, um, six tickets each box, okay. and they're all together now. I don't know if when we did it, they're all together. So in a post-COVID world, they're actually together. They spread them out last year, like empty box and whatnot. Um, but we were able to get that worked out. One of my friends in Louisville at the time had finished up running a half marathon about 10, 15 years ago, and he said, hey, you want to... Yeah, for anything I can do, I'm like, in fact, yeah, it could get up like a box. And he was like, and 113-ish, kind of right on the radio. I was like, let me see what I can do. A month later, this person calls me back. He's like, so, yeah, I've got one box. I'm like, can we get three boxes? And so finally been able to put it together. So everybody's in a good spot there. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of times people are like, well, you know, is it work-related? No, it's, it has nothing to do with work. It really is a criteria. You have to be a good person and uh, just be able to roll the punches because you don't know if it's going to rain. You right. don't know if it's going to be this or that or the other. Just be enjoyable. And I think that we've done a really good job of that because there will be new people that want your trip. There's new people that go on every trip. But uh, the thing I appreciate about my parents and my brother and his family is they're just like welcoming people. Mm-hmm. And if you're just there to have fun, they're going to help facilitate it. And, um, yeah, like we didn't plan anything. Doug sent an itinerary like the week before we left. And let me just tell you, it's a jam-packed itinerary, yes. which is really tough on Patrick to read it because he likes to sleep. But I mean, you got to get up early. You got to get out there early. But it's it's such a it's such a uh, awesome experience. Okay, so we talked about JD. So right behind JD, I believe we have little Kate. Correct. Kate is how old? Seven. She's seven. I know. I think the same thing most days too. <laughs> Still picturing her like she was three. Whenever I was holding her at that Christmas party yeah. that the Bushes had, she did not want she did not want me to put her down. Yeah, yeah, she's cute. So let's talk a little bit about Kate. So she's seven. Yes, she's she's seven, um, fifteen months behind JD, and you know it's uh, it, totally totally different in every every kind of way. They're both really relaxed um, kids. Personality-wise, uh, you know, Kate, I think the the biggest difference was about, she was born in February, October, November-ish, right before Thanksgiving, took her, took her over, took Caroline over to one of our friends who's in OBGYN on the North Shore and just said, hey, let's just get some 3D pictures, we got some, he's like, well, there's something going on with the umbilical cord, there should be like two veins, there's one vein, why don't we go to Baton Rouge to a specialist, and they did all these kind of tests. And he said, you know, which I appreciate, he's a no-nonsense doctor. He's like, listen, it's going to be Turner syndrome, which means it's going to not be tall, going to be short, could have webbed feet. I was like, webbed feet? That's weird. Okay, we're going with this. Or it could be a trisomy. In a trisomy, there's three different ones he mentioned, two of which would be fatal within the first year, and then trisomy 21, which is Down syndrome. We won't get the test back for a month. Oh, oh my gosh, I didn't realize. So Caroline that. is pregnant, walking around, looking at things. I mean, I can't even imagine what it was like for her. But we're all just sitting kind of on, on pins and needles saying, hey, you know, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. So we got the call, and it's like, hey, it's you know, Down syndrome. Well, compared to the other options, we felt like we won the lottery. And so, sure enough, she comes out, and, I mean, it's just her, her own person. She watched the same Kentucky Derby videos and the same everything else, and... Um, you know, 15 months apart, she and JD had the same relationship, but she is very thoughtful. She is 
really engaged. She she takes she was playing batting practice last night. She's in Miracle League on the North Shore. She loves her gymnastics. She loves her dancing. She loves her sports. She loves everything, but she nothing more than than snuggling. So um, she has a routine, and before bed each each night, still true last night and everything else. She has three videos she needs to watch. She needs to watch her Go Tigers, like a fifteen second of Go Tigers. She needs to watch Garth Brooks calling Baton Rouge, and she needs to watch the Star Wars theme song. And then it's time for night night. Oh my god! So she has a routine, but she's a that probably show tells you a lot about her. So yeah, seven year old. She's she's doing great. She's in first grade on the North Shore. Um, and she's fantastic. She is fantastic. She's so cute. Doug made little uh, baseball cards, and it's just <laughs> the sweetest thing. Um, and I, I just have felt anytime I've interacted with Kate, she's just very loving and open. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know a lot of Down mm-hmm. syndrome individuals, but I do, I do vividly remember whenever I was in high school. So going to a Catholic school here in Baton Rouge, you do all these service hours, and I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure senior year was like forty or sixty service hours, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, you could knock out thirty if you did the Special Olympics in a weekend, and you just devoted your whole weekend to it. And it to this day was one of my absolute favorite things that I've ever done because. You want to talk about non-judgmental, open arms. I mean, somebody would get sixth place and I would put the medal and they would just give me the biggest hug, you know, ever. COVID was probably pretty hard for those types of individuals. But uh, just super loving and just kind of... It, let me ask you this. Do you feel like seeing the world through Kate's eyes kind of shifts things in terms of perspective? Totally. So one of the things that I learned is that just we're talking about derby and, and aggressive uh, agendas. One one friend actually called uh, it being kept hostage uh, about 10 years ago because you'd pack everything in. The thing I've learned about and I appreciate that Kate's made me better is that she, slow, she slows everything down. Mm-hmm. Like her only thing she cares about is quality time and being present. And I think that's what everybody struggles with is being present, not letting her mind run. She just wants to look in your eyes and she wants to play with you and talk to you. And so she's very intentional about that. And while the other kids might want this toy or she has a little sister, Sarah, four years old, who loves um, basically anything that lights up and uh, involves unicorns. Give Kate a stick and she's like, that's all she cares about. She just wants to be with you. And so all of that other stuff, she'll she'll ground you. And a lot of times, Carolyn, I'm like, hey, you want to go do this, do that? I'm like, no, I just I just kind of want to hang out with, with, with Kate just because we have... Good conversation. She speaks her mind. She doesn't have any, you know, filters. It's just like, hey, do you know, you know, some days I'll ask her, like, do you love JD? Yes. Do you love Sarah? No. <laughs> you know, or, she, or she'll be like, no, I want daddy. I want daddy. And she'll just go up to me. And so she just doesn't care. And so I think a lot of the, you know, the window dressing and airs that sometimes are out and about in, in, in the world, she just cuts right through that. And that's yeah. what I appreciate about her. So. Um, yeah, she makes us, she definitely makes us all, all better. And she, and she lightens up the room too. I mean, nobody remembers who I am. They remember her though. Everybody in the neighborhood knows Kate. Yeah. Makes the world definitely a better place. She makes the world a better place. Okay. So then we can't forget about Sarah. Poor Sarah. (laughs) You're like, you know, the third. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, oh, that's right. Doug has another, another child. So Sarah's already four, which, okay. I thought she was like one, but clearly I've lost track of time. Okay. Sarah, Sarah is, the, is the type of person that will be, hey, can I have some goldfish? I'm like, yeah, we'll get goldfish. And then five minutes later, I'm like, uh, goldfish? And we're like, no, I'm going to get it in a second. And then she'll just get up and get it herself. So that's the third child. 
just takes matters into their own hands and, and like tests, yeah, and t- just tests the limit. Yeah. Like just looks at you in the eye and she wags her tongue and just like, I'm going to go be bad and there's nothing you're going to do about it. Like that's her. So she's the most athletic. She's the zero stranger danger at all, um, which is kind of good or bad. Like she went over and visited, uh, you know, her grandparents in, in Fairhope and was going to the pool like, this is my grandmother. This is my baba and this is my mommy and like telling everybody that. So oh she'll hold court. And she did a dance recital on this weekend on Saturday and they're like, okay, and the next group and she just like stayed on stage and looked at everybody and just waved. Oh, sounds like my kind of gal. Yeah, she is that, <laughs> that kid. So, um, you know, if you're not paying attention to her, she'll do something bad and she'll just do it. She's like, I want attention. She'll tell you. That could be the third child, too. The, yeah. The last child. You know, they sometimes need attention. Yes. So she, that's, that's her. That's but her. But she's extremely thoughtful and looking out for Kate. That's that's the other thing. So even though they're about the same height and Kate's seven and she's four, she can mess with Kate, but nobody else can. And so she'd be like, come on, Kate. So when Caroline would go pick up Kate to go take her to speech on Thursdays, she'd bring Sarah. Sarah would go in and grab her hand and walk her through the parking lot and say, watch out, Kate, do this. And so she's that kind of sister as well, which is very nice because J.D. looks out for her kind of on the, on the front end of Big things. Brother. And you know, Sarah's going to be that feisty one that's going to keep everybody in line. So between the two of them, and I don't think Kate would let anybody mess with Kate. No. <laughs> but no. definitely between the two of them, they got sure. Kate's back. They got yes. Kate's back. Yes. All right. Well, Doug, um, thank you for coming on here and telling us about yourself. And uh, I do want to tell people that in Doug's professional life, he constantly wins awards for being like the best of the best and the top salesperson. I'll just say that, Doug. Uh, and super humble has always been humble and I'm very impressed with how you have been able to, I mean, it is, it is so evident to me that your family is first and foremost and nothing is ever going to come in front of that. And in this day and age, and especially being in a, a pretty, um, stressful, intense position like you are, I think that there's, there's something to be said about that. I don't know if Doug actually sleeps to get everything done. Drinks coffee. But he, he does, he does drink a lot of coffee. Hey, there's worse things you could be drinking, Doug. Yes, there are other vices, yes, that are definitely out there. Um, but yeah, I really think it comes down to relationships and, and education. So, you know, having a mom who's in an education, special behavior education, and a dad who's a priest, and being around people that are passionate about what they do. Um, I don't view my job, I don't view our industry as like a transactional. It's more of just helping people get confident in what they don't know. And that's kind of how I see my position and that's why I enjoy it so much. Yeah. And it's authentic when you go in and you talk to clients, we've Mm -hmm. done presentations together. And so it's just, uh, it's a joy to be able to work with him and, um, super fortunate that he's become a friend and we get to work together. That's like the best of both worlds. He's come to Derby next year. Yes. And we're going to Derby. (laughs) All right. So we're going to end this episode on a slightly sad note, but, uh, it's okay. We will all be okay. Uh, Maggie, our lovely co-host that was voluntold to be a co-host. Everybody just remember that. All right. She didn't, I told her she was going to be the co-host. The world's she, quietest co-host. The world's quietest co-host, but asked the best questions because she's so observant. Uh, Maggie will be leaving our firm and has taken a position at another company, uh, that is a good fit for her. And as everybody knows, she is expecting. And so, you know, uh, 
One of the things that I always think about whenever somebody ends up leaving is that part of my job as a leader, I kind of feel like a mom sometimes, you know, is you got to let the people go. You got to train them and you got to let them go and you got to support them. And as selfish as I want to be and stomp my feet and keep crying because Maggie has been very special and important to not only the firm, but to me personally, we are excited about this next chapter. We're super excited about the little girl that she's having (laughs) I'm just kidding. She doesn't know. Okay. <laughs> just kidding. I'm okay. going to start a rumor. <laughs> but I'm like, you saying that, you know, um, but yeah, we're super excited for her and we appreciate everything she's done for the podcast over the past couple of years and come on and willingly talk to a microphone. Um, and honestly, y'all put up with me for five freaking years. That's, that's a lot to, there's a lot to be said for that. So. Any parting thoughts, Maggie? You hate it when I do this. No, it's been, oh, these past five years have been a blessing. This podcast has been a blessing. The relationships and the people that I've met. um, I mean, it was a great idea. You have great ideas. It was a great idea. I I didn't know what the heck you were thinking, (laughs) saying, (laughs) we're going to start a podcast. But, I mean, truly, we've had some of the worst days, and then our, our podcast comes in. And the our whole mood shifts, the whole day shifts. Um, so, I mean, maybe I'll be, you know, a surprise guest sometime. A, a guest co-host. Yeah. I mean, it'll be easy. You can do it whenever I'm out of town or something. I'm not going very far. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, so she's not, like, moving out of state, so she's still around. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're excited for her. And, uh, you know, again, sad to see her go, but we understand that, you know, people, doors close, doors open, different chapters of our lives. And I think that it's, it's really exciting for her, but don't worry, lady's still here. I am. Yay. Yay. (laughs) The quiet producer, but has started to speak up a little bit more. Proud of you, Maggie. Yeah. We're proud of you, Maggie. And, you know, can't wait. We will, we cannot wait to meet the baby and, and see how this next chapter is for you. So that being said, thank you, Doug. Hope everyone has a fantastic week and we will see. Oh, wait, hold on. Another preface. Another preface, right? Aren't y'all recording an episode without me? We are. Yeah. So your host will be out of town on a two week vacation. And so we will have a few surprises in there with another episode that's going to be coming out that I will not actually be on for the first time. Maybe I'll talk more. Lainey will talk more. (laughs) Lainey, you talk more in our catch-up episodes, too. I do. Well, I like listening to what our guests have to say. You'll get to listen as a... I'm super excited. I think it'll come out while I'm on vacation or when I come back. So I'm super excited about this. So I'm going to start getting texts. Make sure that we talk about this. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I have full confidence. Lainey has done this long enough. She's probably going to do a better job than I will. So hope everyone has a great week and we'll see you next time. Bye.